Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. All right, and we are live with uh, with the roundtable crew here on this beautiful Thursday. We've got our special guest, Nick Whalen. He's in the corner here. I'm really bad at the pointing thing. Right there in the corner, we've got him on. He's uh, jumping on to talk a little bit of rookies and Debbie with us today. Nick, how you doing? Thank you for jumping on with us. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I don't know about, you know, in Texas for you, Matt, but here in Madison, it's pretty overcast. We've had some rain. It's, you know... You never know what's going to happen in Wisconsin. We always say that, but it literally was snowing on Sunday, and then it's supposed to be like 70 this weekend, So, and it's May, so who knows? Yeah, we don't get it quite that bad here. The worst we get is it's like 40 one day, and it jumps up to 98 the next day. We don't really <laughs> get the snow and everything, so we're I, we just got to deal with the incredibly horrible heat here. Dennis, Matt, how you guys doing? I'm having a great day. I took a vacation day. I've been chilling at home, helping the kids with homework, spending a little time in my garage, cleaning it out. So, And I was on whatever the opposite of a vacation day is. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. It's not too bad here. Uh, just there's apparently now a chance for severe thunderstorms uh, this afternoon and tomorrow, which... My least favorite weather feature of being close to the Rockies is the the devastating hail. So, oh. yeah, that we we had a pretty bad hailstorm th- flow through here like two weeks ago. Destroyed my car. I was not very happy about that. Dennis, you getting uh, the podcast studio set up? Is that what you're doing with the garage? Yeah, I'm cl- making the space. I'm making the go. space. I'll- I like it. All right. So as I mentioned, we were joined here by Nick Whalen. You guys can follow him at underscore Nick Whalen. He's the creator of the Debbie Report and the Graduates. Uh, he's one of the three members on the Film Nerds team that does uh, their film stuff, film breakdown on Wednesdays every, uh, almost every Wednesday with the Dynasty Nerds. It's awesome to watch on Twitch. Him, Jared Wackerly, and Garrett Price break down film on college players and discuss fa- uh, future fantasy relevance, everything. It's it's really awesome. Nick, we really do appreciate you taking some time to jump on with us here. How did you get into to fantasy football, and how long have you been playing? Just kind of give us your background altogether. Yeah, um, that's going to take a little time if, if you have it. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I guess the, <laughs> the, the best way to describe it is when people on – yeah, there you go. Yeah, it would be like a little, a little bedtime story there, Dennis, is you know, kids on Saturday mornings growing up, they watch like cartoons, you know, or, you know, who knows? I watched a little bit of Jimmy Houston Outdoors, you know, like fishing and hunting and stuff. But a lot of the time I watched taped NFL drafts. And I was, that's from like age like six until whenever. I just loved the draft, loved everything about it. And that 
got me going into coaching, uh, which got me into knowing a little bit more in terms of what's going on in terms of watching film study. And, um, you know, I've been playing fantasy football for, I'd say 20 years. I was commissioning a league while I was in high school. Um, my first Debbie pick, I think was like DeMarco Murray. So, you know, I've, I've been, I've been at this for a while. Um, and, uh, in terms of writing, I got into it because the, you know, I, I liked playing as much as, you know, fantasy football. And I used the, the film stuff to really kind of cheat. Like, I feel like I had like this advantage of like watching guys. And um, the first time I realized that I might be good at this is the 2008 uh, draft, that rookie class. That was like Jonathan Stewart, McFadden. Um, you know, Chris Johnson, they had Mendenhall, like all those great guys. And uh, it was my first dynasty league. And I had the fourth pick and it went like, I don't know, McFadden, Jonathan Stewart, Mendenhall, you know, chalk. And I had the fourth pick and everyone thought I was going to get Chris Johnson or Felix Jones. And this is that my draft is before the NFL draft. So you just go off of like the combine or whatever. And I took Matt Forte. And everyone like, you know, they're like, oh, you're new. You don't know what you're doing. You're an idiot, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then that one worked out pretty well. And then I had the next pick, the fifth pick. And they thought I would take Johnson or Felix Jones there. I took Jamal Charles. And both of them worked out. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should stay with this. So I kind of went from there. And Ryan McDowell found me, you know, on a message board at Football Guys. And, you know, got me a DLF and it's been, you know, all downhill since. Very nice. Very nice. So tell us about, I mentioned at the beginning here, the Debbie, oh, I'm sorry. I always skip ahead. I'm very bad about that. What, uh, who is your favorite team and player? Uh, I'm a Bears fan, a Bears fan miserably in Wisconsin. Um, it's just, it's the worst. I, my, my hate runs so deep, Matt, that I want the Packers to lose more than I want the Bears to win. So that's how it is. I now. understand. Uh, not quite a rival for me, but me living here in Texas and dealing with Cowboys fans all the time, <laughs> like I, I hope for that every Sunday. I don't even care if the Browns get blown out by the Steelers or Ravens. I want the Cowboys to just get decimated. That is my my goal and hope in life every Sunday. So mm -hmm. I understand that a little bit there. Uh, do you have a favorite player? I see the Erickson jersey behind there. You were telling us a little bit off air about it. What? Why do you have the signed Erickson jersey there in your background? Yeah, so I, I coach football. I did, you know, I get my, my college coaching background and then I've transitioned that into high school. And um, I actually coached Alex in high school. Um, he was, he's a superstar. I, I was, I was that big in his in terms of his scale and trajectory, but uh, he's such a good kid. And I'm so, you always feel good when, when someone works hard and they see the benefit and they, you know, and they do well. And he's one of those people. So, yeah, I share for him. Kind of my favorite teams, you know, besides the Bears, or, or places that I've coached, people I've coached with, or you know, players that I know. That's that's kind of generally my favorites. Outside of my two, like Devi, Devi Report, like I was first on guys would be Corey Davis and Cortland Sutton. Those are kind gotcha. of two of my favorites. Oh, he's a big fan of Cortland Sutton, right down there. <laughs> yeah, it, it was kind of funny. Um, Cause I was on him after his redshirt freshman year. So he was, you know, didn't he transition from safety to receiver and had like 800 some yards and, you know, not a lot of people were talking about him. And I was just annoyingly always talking about him that he followed me on Twitter. So me and him have kind of talked a little bit and it's like, and now he's, you know, turned into this. I'm just, I'm really happy for him. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely a superstar. I think the closest I've had is I went to high school with Lance Dunbar. That's about all I've got. So you've got you've got quite the leg up on all of us there. <laughs> That's so that cool, one. though. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know him. I didn't play football at all. So I just said, there's Lance Dunbar. And I can say I went to high school with him. But that's <laughs> about all I got. Uh, so tell us about the the graduates and the Devry Report. Uh, obviously, the three of us know about it. It's, it's a really cool thing. You also have a thing called the Championship Bundle, which I, I think you're just giving away free money at that point. But, I mean, it, that that's all you, bro. So tell, tell us about that, though, because it's pretty cool what you're doing with those. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so the Devry Report, I think this is, and I always get this wrong, sixth or seventh year I've been doing that. And that just started with me doing too much analysis for a Devry League and Matt Caraccio, who's part of Saturday to Sunday football podcast, was a friend and a colleague at DLF at the time. He's like, man, you should just make something. And so I'm like, I don't know. And, and I'm a, I'm not a good writer. That's the thing. Like in, in, if I told my English high school teachers that now I write and make something that people pay for, they would just be shocked. I'm like, what? This doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, the first one I think was like 94 pages. And then, you know, you always like have this fear of missing out on people. So it's just constantly gotten bigger and it's like 150 pages. But so the Devry Report is, my strength is film-based studies, but it's player profiles, watching film for uh, players that are not eligible to go into the draft or, or they didn't declare. So, you know, incoming freshmen, so I watch high school tape, which is crazy, uh, all the way to guys that didn't declare freshman, sophomore, junior. And every year I rewatch film get new profiles on all these guys. So that's what that is. And then someone's like, Nick, why don't you do something for the NFL draft? And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause I've like followed these guys, you know, high school, freshman, sophomore, like, why do I not like do something for like, Hey, and like, let them go into the NFL. So that's what the graduates is. And then the third one, which is part of that championship bundle you said is uh dynasty startup. And uh, I think one of the things that we don't talk enough about in our industry is is draft strategy, philosophy, how you need to think, what you need to prepare for prior to, during, and after your startup drafts to just set you up well to succeed. And so I'm currently in, in the, you know, writing that up. Um, basically, it's, it, that's the thing is when you do this, it's literally all of my tips and tricks for how I rank players, how I think about players. And people use it against me, but, you know, whatever. I, I would right. rather help more people than succeed myself, honestly. Yeah, one of the questions I frequently get are things like, well, do you put out misinformation because people in your leagues follow you? And I'm like, no, I, I, I don't. I, I can't keep that stuff straight. It, my information is what it is. My opinions are what my opinions are. And if you're in a draft with me and you know I like a guy and you're going to go past me, you want to jump ahead of me and take that guy earlier than even I do, well, that means somebody else has fallen to me. If you think that I only have one guy that I'm going to take or one guy that I like, then you've, you've clearly underestimated my approach to this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Just because you snipe me on a player doesn't mean I don't like other players. Mm -hmm. So put your good information out. Let them let them have it too. Yeah, No, one ever, no one ever gets sniped here, especially yeah. Matt. No, no. Not like assholes who trade up and take Isaiah Hodgins from you in a 16-team in a draft. You know, Nobody <laughs> does stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, Matt, I know you uh, are new to the Devi kind of talk here. Was there something that you wanted to add? You you had mentioned you had some questions you wanted to ask Nick about Devi drafts and everything. Yeah, because uh, you know, 
I, I agreed to do our listener league and all of a sudden uh, got thrust into a format that I've never played before, which sadly we've already had to draft. So we should have had this podcast a month and a half ago. But um, so I thought I would ask you, what do you like uh, about the Debbie format? What makes it special and why should somebody look to kind of take the leap into that format? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, you have, you have redraft, right? And, th- and that's that's home. That's safe for, you want to think of the majority of people that play fantasy, probably not people that listen to your podcast here, but, you know, you know, it's 80% of people that play or, you know, maybe a redraft, maybe it's 70, something like that. And then you have like your keeper, you know, is a little bit, a little bit more safe. And then you have dynasty, which is the majority of leagues that I and people, you know, are dynasty Twitter, you know, we, we talk about or people that listen to y'all. Um, but then Debbie's the next level of that. Because I think it really separates good and bad fantasy football owners because you have so much more control, but there's also so much more risk, which makes it so much more fun. So if you're a good team and you play dynasty, you get what? The 10th, 11th, 12th, depending on your league pick every year. You're hoping you can dig somebody out that's going to be good enough to get into your lineups. And bad teams, they get you know a top player and they hope they pan out and maybe they'll flip, you know. But when you're in Devi, you could still get a superstar at the end of a first round, which you can't get in a rookie draft. Or you could, but it's rare. Um, but it depends how much risk you take. Because, you know, there's, I mean, I know in one draft I had the 14th pick and, and I picked uh, Darius Geis. And, you know, that one worked out. You have to wait, you know, but there's also risk with that. You could take a guy that's a, I mean, a freshman. Did that work out, out though? Did, yeah. did guys work out though? Like the value of it worked still, out. He's still hopeful. <laughs> the value of it worked out. How about that? So th- that's the part that's fun. And then also if you're a bad team, it, you'll get generally a top rookie draft pick and then a top Debbie draft pick. So I think you can kind of rebuild a little bit more quickly. Um, but but it, it's, it, it makes college football more entertaining for you. I think it's just a, just a next level of everything fantasy football and it just it just makes you get more involved, and you know I have guides that are geared towards that. But there's a lot of people with other stuff, and it gets you so so mad. I mean, you are brand new to it, right? Yeah. Are you following college football a little bit more now than you did previously? Well, I will. Yes. <laughs> Although my my biggest uh, challenge is, my wife told me I can pick one day to watch football all day. It could be Saturday or Sunday, but not both. So you know. Have to try to balance that out. With you just said games. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, take, take games from Saturday, watch them on Sunday in between breaks or early. Well, or she, late. she may relax her feeling. Uh, you know, we're going into an unprecedented fall where we're not likely to have any shows or movies. So she may yeah. be like, I get it. Just watch all your football. Yeah. And I'll be like 10 days a week watching. Oh. So I guess my, my other question as somebody kind of going into it that's new is what are, you know, maybe a common mistake or something that people make going in uh, that would be best avoided. Yeah, there, there's quite a few that I've learned over the years. And um, and this is a little bit going to that dynasty startup I was talking about where you really have to understand and learn the owners that are in your leagues. Because I'm in some Debbie leagues where I stockpile so many Debbie picks and I value those picks more than anybody else. And there's other ones where I don't draft Debbie players often. I trade the picks away because they value them way too much. When you're when you're further away from the NFL, it's more risk, you know, because you don't get the NFL draft as, you know, that that's another, 
you know, uh, benchmark. You have junior season, sophomore season, freshman season, you know, combine. All those things are just checking off boxes like, oh, yep, okay, this guy's good. And all these things prove that. And the biggest mistake, I think, is so many Devi owners think all of these guys are going to hit. We already have the rookie fever, right? You know, all all these guys. So many of them think all these Devi guys are going to hit, and they're not. I've been in this so long. I've been humbled so many times. Guys I think are going to be awesome. Like Trent Irwin from Stanford. Oh, I love Trent Irwin coming out of high school. And that guy just did not do it. And every year, you know, I redo my report. I watch them like, man, but that high school tape, you know, and, and it doesn't work out, you know, and, but that, that's how it works. And there's just so much more risk. So you have to know that they're all not going to hit and there's a lot more risk involved. So don't value them as, as highly. And then there's other things too. We're like, you know, we look at stats for NFL players and we're like, you know, that's just kind of a bad defense, but you have to worry and watch the stats for some guys in college football because they could play guys that are literally in divisions down from them. And it's like, well, that's a that's a big cupcake that you're playing. Um, and and we have we have some other things, I think, that are tells. I think people rely too much on recruiting rankings. You know, we hear about it now. Right. The you know, this guy going to the NFL. Yeah, but he was a five star prospect out of high school. That's four years ago. Who cares? I care more about the data points that are after that than when he's 17 years old. You know, so those, those are some things I think to kind of keep in mind. I hope nobody's looking at my data from when I was 17 years old. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right, so before we get into the talking about the 2019 rookie class, I do want to ask some uh, Debbie questions of you. It's not often we get to talk Debbie on here, so I get kind of excited when we get a chance to yeah. do it. And, and Trey Lance has really kind of become the bell of the ball here here as of late. He's really gotten a lot of hype. I'm going to shout out uh, Kane Fossil because he was the first that I saw talking about him uh, over there at DLF, and a lot of other people have kind of jumped on that train and really started talking about Trey Lance. Uh, what have you seen uh, from him, the quarterback out of North Dakota State? Not a lot of people knew about him really up until about, I would say, a month ago. What are your thoughts on him moving into the 2021 uh, class if we have a, obviously, 2020 college football season? Right. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of worried about that. That's It's just so weird what could and could not happen. And I know we don't want to speculate, but I, I had to go to the hospital today to get a, um, an injection in my foot because I run and you know everyone's in masks. It's just like the weirdest thing. I mean, it's just yeah. you feel like you're in a movie, you know, but As somebody who lived in California for many years, anytime something that you care about is in the hands of Gavin Newsom, you should be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I think the first thing I want to talk about with Trey Lance um, is uh, is bias. So I was already I was you know, I watched a little bit and I was like, ah, you know, this is just people love being first on someone in the hype train. And then I, I dug deeper into him and realized I was wrong. Uh, I think he's legit. Um, you know, North Dakota State's a crazy good program. I mean, crazy good. I mean, people want to talk about Alabama and how good they are. I mean, North Dakota State's won I think seven out of the last eight or eight out of the last nine national titles at their level. Bama is not even close to that. So you need to realize that they're like this Titan and he has a better line, better weapons, better running, everything than everybody else. But he's good size. He's a good athlete. And I was really impressed with his arm strength. I think he has good deep ball placement. I think it's a catchable deep ball, which is trouble for a lot of players. And I've seen him make multiple reads you know i'll see him look a safety off and come back to the other seam which you don't see a lot from college quarterbacks uh so you know from the little film that i've watched him i've been impressed i think that the hype's real 
Um, okay. I think there's things he needs to improve on. And, and there's other things where people are excited about. Like they'll say he had 42 touchdowns and zero interceptions. He had 28 passing touchdowns and 14 rushing touchdowns. Like you, you, you have to really check the stats sometimes. Right. And he had a thousand rushing yards. Yeah, sure. Easton Stick had a ton of rushing yards too. That's the offense. So you have to take some of it with context, but I think he's a good player. He has potential. Don't crap on my guy, Easton Stick, man. <laughs> too, too, QB, too late. QB3 for the Chargers. Too, too late. late. No kidding. Uh, let's see here. What else did I want to talk about? Uh, Kylan Hill and KJ Costello. Obviously, Kylan Hill was already with Mississippi State. We see KJ Costello is coming over there this year with Mike Leach. It's obviously the big air raid offense. Everybody's going to be talking about what do you think those two could do again in a new offense this year, and how could it improve their draft stock? KJ Costello has really kind of been talked out way below those uh, Lance Fields, uh, Lawrence, some of these other guys coming out next year, Brock Purdy. Even they're talking about him below them. Could Costello boost his stock up going into an air raid offense and putting up what's going to look like, as you just pointed out, a lot of stats. He's going to put up a lot of yards, passing touchdowns likely, but do you think he has the game to possibly transition into the NFL level? Yeah, I'm actually going to do a a quick side story if you guys are okay with it. Um, So I wanted to get into college football, right? And I'm, you know, a a nobody from a small town, you know, nothing in Wisconsin. And, um, my freshman year of college, you know, I, I decided I wanted to get into coaching. And so I wrote every division one coach an email. I'm just in my dorm room, just type like Google in, okay, here's all the emails, you know, send them all out. And, uh, and a bunch of them just reply back just with advice, you know, not like they're like friends, or whatever. Mike Leach was one of them. He emailed me back and just gave me, you know, like two little paragraphs on advice and coaching. And, and, and I was like, oh man, like, and he didn't have to do that, you know? And, right. and I think the more people that you talk to that are interactive with him, he's a different cat, but I think he's really smart, innovative, and it's going to be fun to see him and that offense in the SEC because we've yeah. seen it work, you know, in the big 12, we've seen it work in the Pac 12. And now let's see what happens when he'll get better recruits and he'll get some better things going there. Um, and, and you want to talk about one, you know, KJ Costello, I mean, size, arm strength are there at times he's shown that accuracy other times I see him staring down that read and that and that's my biggest concern with him because when you want to look at Mike Leach's offense you know you want to look at Gardner you know and Gordon you know they look at multiple reads and they have some pretty good accuracy they don't have the arm strength near the arm strength Costello has but they, they can look off, you know, some players and make some good reads. And that's the thing, the game he needs to make to take, to go to the next level. And if he does that, I think he's for sure a prospect. You know, he's a guy to, to think about. I don't know if he's a first round guy, but I think he could be a day two guy and develop into that. Uh, Kylan Hill, you know, you look at Kylan Hill, he can catch the football and you're like, oh, he's Max Borgie, right? He's going to catch all these receptions there. Um, I, I just don't like his game as much for the NFL he has a really short gait. I think he is he has you know explosiveness in terms of you know he jumps over guys at times. He'll sidestep. He has these little explosive movements, but he has nothing after that. If, if you want to like picture it, think of like a David Montgomery light, which to me I want no part of that because there's a lot of running backs in the NFL, and it takes a very good running back to be a fantasy difference maker. And I don't think Kellen Hill can do that. Yeah, I don't think you wanted any part of David Montgomery heavy. <laughs> no, no, I still don't. As a Bears fan, I still don't. 
Uh, I love some Jamar Jefferson. He's a guy that obviously broke out his rookie year for Oregon State on a on a horrible team. Play, had a decent year, not a great year last year. The injury, I thought, was a big factor in that. Where do you see him coming into a 2021 RB class that is considered at least very top-heavy with ETN, Najee Harris? Some people like boards. There's someone I'm forgetting now off the top of my Chuba. head. I can't remember who it is. Chuba yeah, Chuba. Obviously, as well, where I obviously Jefferson's not on their level, but he's a guy that I really like. Think he's getting extremely underrated. Where do you see him? Are, are you an Oregon State fan? I mean, that that's two Oregon I'm, State guys. Yeah. I'm going to talk about after Hodges. Yeah. I am a closet Pac-12 fan. That that's that's <laughs> my problem. I'll, I'll say this. I mean, you want to talk about you know going back to Matt's original question of Devi. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pac-12 gets less love than other ones because of time and when, where they're at. And so that's one area I think that sometimes you can get some sleepers in. Um, I just don't think Jamar Jefferson is going to be a big one of them. Um, okay. He's a smooth player. Um, I don't think he's got a terrible game. I just don't know that there's enough. And, and I always come back to that. You know, I think that we spend so much time, you know, churning and looking for, you know, um, the, these, you know, third, fourth, fifth tier running backs. And even if they hit, what do you even get? You get a couple games, maybe, you know, you know, you get, um, you know, people were excited about Chase Edmonds, you know, oh man, found Chase. What does he get you in fantasy? Not much, you know? And so I, I think it's something to always think about. And that's a, I think people can overrate that. So that's a tangent, but um, I think he can catch the ball. He's smooth. Um, he's probably a committee guy. You're talking about, yeah, in a, in a down class. Uh, where he could be ranked. I think right now, I mean, I think seven or eight is fine. He was injured a little bit last year, as we know, a couple of different injuries. Same with with Costello, too, uh, getting banged up, um, which makes them underrated. But you want more explosiveness from his game. Um, you know, in a way, he's almost like a, a light, light version of like a Matt Forte. It's kind of how he just kind of moves and glides through. He's not He's not exciting, but I think he's underrated, to your point. Awesome. All right. I'm going to go cry now because I feel like you kind of shit all over him. And that, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this much, Matt. Anyone that's, you know, followed me for any bit of time and, you know, whatever, I'm always honest because I think you need to be. And, I know. And, yeah. And, I appreciate that. I, and, I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. People, are, and, and when they watch the, the nerds film stuff, like Nick's always so negative. I'm like, I'm a coach, man. Like, if you, do you know what we're like in our film? We're like, this is just how it is. All right, let's talk about this 2020 rookie class. Uh, you, as you talked about, you had the graduate. You, you just put that out here. It uh, focuses mainly on that. So I want to talk about this. As you mentioned, you scouted these guys. I didn't even know the high school part of it, which makes it even better. I knew you scouted them all through college. Who is one of the guys that you have as a sleeper that you don't think is getting enough love here in this 2020 class? Yeah, so and, – and I – you know, put all this stuff out and then they get drafted and you're like, ah, man, you know, like now they're getting hyped. So one of those guys would be Keyshawn Vaughn. I had Keyshawn Vaughn ahead of Cam Akers prior to the season starting. And I think it was prior to the season starting, but even, even before the draft. And so, um, you know, I was high on him and McFarlane, et cetera. And, you know, now everyone's kind of on their hype trains. So I'm going to pick a guy that was a second round pick that they're not talking enough about. I think is Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson, I think has uh, a really good game and i think he could help out right away you know brandon cooks is not there anymore cooper cups a free agent after this season robert woods is a free agent after next season so 
excuse me, you have um, an opportunity there. And then when you look at the post-draft press conference, which I think is always, that's another data point people don't look enough at. What are the coaches and GMs saying? Because they'll tell you some insights. And McVay loved his route running. He's like, he's already an NFL route runner. He's a veteran route runner. And when I watched film, he is. He wins in so many ways with his routes and gets separation, which is the big thing right now in the NFL. People don't want the 6'4", 6'5", guys that can win jump balls. They don't throw those. They throw separation, you know, is, is the big calling card. And he does that well. He did it well in Ole Miss. He did it well at Florida. But Ole Miss, he's behind DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. Some pretty right. big guys, we can say. You know, yeah. Dawson Knox is there, too, at tight end. So um, I think he's a guy that just got overshadowed and, and people didn't look enough at him. His, his dad's an NFL, former NFL player, and he's an NFL coach right now as a wide receiver coach, Sean Jefferson. So, um, you know, he's got the pedigree. And I think, you know, in an offense where guys can benefit and be fantasy assets, I think he's a guy that's underrated. So is Jefferson, is he more of a threat? I, I get threat might not be the right word. Is he more in line to maybe take over for Cooper Cup? when if cup moves on after his contract expires or is he going to step in and step over josh reynolds and take that that position yes <laughs> i always love saying that when it's it's the it's both i i think it's both i think he's a better talent right now than josh reynolds is and i think he's a better uh used in the slot to take over for cup after he leaves so i think even this year i don't know he can for sure overtake Reynolds, but I think he could this year. Um, and I think for sure next year, if Cup leaves. And again, think of that team. That team is so bad with the salary cap right now. So yeah. bad. You think they're going to shell out 15 to 20 million for Cup? I don't see it. They're going to want to. Yeah. Well, and, and they do make questionable cap decisions. So, I mean, I mean, they, they still have Ramsey on the books, yeah. you know, in that contract. I mean, I don't know. So we, we've got Jefferson that came in, the son of a, um, former NFL player. And then we also have Michael Pittman that came in also the son of a former NFL player and their games are very different. And it seems like Pittman has become the darling. Do you think that is warranted? Do you think that because Pittman's dad was a running back instead of a wide receiver, did that, did, did that help maybe push Jefferson past him uh, in, in the NFL? I don't know. How, how do they compare as pedigreed players? Right, right. Um, and, and you know, it's funny. I mean, uh, my Devry Report people looking at rankings. Uh, Pittman was a guy I was so high on out of high school. I think he, I had him in my top five in his class. Uh, I don't. Maybe it might not have been the year after out of high school. It might have been his redshirt year. I like look back. I was like, oh, I missed on him. He he's got he's got everything. And then, you know, his, his career at USC, nothing, nothing, nothing. Crazy good senior year, you know? And I was like, oh, man, like, I, you know, I was kind of right. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think the pedigree just means that you you have maybe a leg up on everybody else because you know what to expect for the NFL. You're, you know, I mean, obviously genetics is part of that. But also you have somebody you can ask all the time. Hey, dad. What should I do for this? What should I train? You know, what do I expect for this? That's college and that's NFL. Um, but I don't think position-wise it matters as much. I, I like that Jefferson's dad can tell him more about wide receiver traits and coaching him up a little bit more. But I'm a huge Pittman fan. I mean, uh, I would I, I Pittman, I think, five or six before the draft. 
something like that. Um, and he just runs routes in ways big guys shouldn't run routes. And I talked earlier about guys being big and winning jump balls. That's not the NFL anymore. But Pittman wins in the small guy way too, which is what I really like. And he's versatile. And after the reception, he's just he he's aggressive for a big guy. That that's why I loved Sutton. You know, that that's why right. I like Pittman. You know, when you can do flexible things that six four guys shouldn't do, and you're aggressive after the reception, you, you have more value in fantasy. Right on. Uh, I I I'm a big fan of Pittman. I think Jefferson was just more off my radar. Um, and I'm always late to the game on guys who profile as slot players. It's just my nature. I'm team big wide receiver. And I, <laughs> I, I keep trying to break that habit by drafting, you know, Hunter Renfro's and stuff like that. But we'll get Jalen Waddle next year. There's a right guy for you. Okay. I'm not in Debbie yet. I'm still holding off on that. Salary cap league is up next for me. So with the NFL draft coming and going, how did that uh, that affect your rankings at all? Were there any players that jumped up or dropped down a tier in your rankings based on the draft? Yeah, and again, that's just another data point. You know, like if the combine, if, you know, remember last year, Elijah Holyfield, and you're like, oh, boy, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I, and I don't care a lot about the combine. But basically, it's just if guys completely fall off the radar, it's like, okay, I need to move them down. It's the same thing with the NFL draft. I mean, you know, I was not an A.J. Dillon fan or Chase Claypool fan, but the NFL thought more of him. And, and draft capital means opportunity. That's what it means. And so I, I moved them up my rankings a little bit, even though I'm not crazy good fans of them. Excuse me. Um, Denzel Mims was pre-draft wide receiver three for me, I think. And now I moved him down to like six just because he fell a bit further than I thought, but nothing big there. I think the big guys that moved down were, you know, Benjamin and Tyler Johnson. They both fell further than anyone else thought. Although I think both have an opportunity, but I think it's a less of an opportunity than other players. And that's how fantasy works. And, you know, you need to reflect that. And if you don't, you just talked about the bias, Dennis. I think bias is one of the most important things we don't talk about. And it's the one thing that can really be a detriment to people's fantasy teams and also with my rankings. So like with me, I, I mean, people buy my product. I, I want them to do well. And I can't say, well, I like this guy and I'm not going to move him down no matter what. Like, I, I just can't do that when there's draft capital staring at me, what a team says in their future and their money and their investment. Yeah. Uh, acknowledging my bias and talking about it is kind of how I'm trying to work through that. Well, I'm a counselor too, Dennis. So here we are. We're, we're having so a session. Dennis right is trying to have his cake and eat it too. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Let's see here. What else have we got going on for us? So did, uh, oh, I already asked you that question. Who is someone that you think is overhyped? I know you actually mentioned a couple players earlier, but who is someone that's getting drafted way too high in your opinion? Cam Akers. Um, and this is, this is a guy that, and, and I know there's people that that don't like me on Twitter because I will anti Cam Akers anything that I see. But again, I think that people that you know is people that invest money in the products that I have. People that follow me on Twitter, they follow me for a reason. They they want to hear what I have to say, and I think it's I'm trying to help out their teams. Um, and uh, there's there, the last three years, there's been one running back I've been anti so much. Last year, it's David Montgomery. Uber four is Darius, Darius Geis. This year it's Cam Akers. And, you know, I'm of not course, always Montgomery perfect. ends up on your actual NFL team. 
it's like, so here, here's a story about that, Matt. So, um, you know, I've always loved NFL draft, as I said earlier. And um, my dad, me and my dad, it was always our thing. We would always just watch. We would watch every pick, too. We just, we had our TV stands out and just, you know, our cardboard table. And we're just making all our picks. And we would have games of, like, who would get the most right in our mock draft before picks and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, hey, Dad, why don't you come over and watch the draft, you know, at my place. And he came over and my mom and we're watching it. And before the pick happened, I'm like, Dad, just anybody but David Montgomery. And they take him. And I'm so angry that my mom's like, okay, I think we need to leave. My mom <laughs> So well, if, if you want to see the contemporary version of that, just go back and watch the video of Matt when the Browns picked. I've come around to it. I've come around to it. I'm, I'm not as upset about that pick anymore. What, what pick? Uh, when the Browns took Jedrick Wills with their first pick, I wanted him to take uh, – man, I can't even remember his name now because it doesn't matter. But uh, uh, there was another offensive lineman Worfs. that I was you – know, yeah, Worfs. I was wanting them to take Worfs over Jedrick Wills. But I've come around to it. Joe Thomas knows uh, I probably has forgotten more about being an offensive tackle than I will ever know in my entire life. And he seems to be very excited about the pick and has talked that guy up. So I'm going to trust that man and what he says about him. So I, I've changed my tune on that. I, I like the pick, actually. But I mean, but, but sorry, digressing back. Um, there's one reason why I think Cam Akers is overhyped right now. And then I'll get into some of the other stuff. But um you know, I, I mentioned Geis, who I th- was a Debbie darling and was supposed to be this guy, 1A, 1B with Barkley, and I didn't see it. And the combine proved he wasn't the athlete Barkley was. And the NFL, many teams, on Johnson, Chubb, uh, Michelle, et cetera, they said, hey, we want another running back instead of him continually. And the community didn't follow along because of bias. They're like, I love Geis. He was supposed to be this, and they drafted him high. And it hurt him. Same thing with Montgomery. Debbie Darling, he's supposed to be this. Didn't check the boxes of the combine, et cetera. Um, and Nikhil Harry, I think last year was another one. He's supposed to be this superstar. Not there. Akers is a better athlete than uh, Montgomery. About on par, I think, with Geis. Might be a little bit better of an athlete. But he's the guy that was always supposed to be this great guy. And I don't think people could get over it. Um, could he be okay? Sure. He could be solid. Um, you can catch the ball. He's strong, you know, in a straight line, he's fast. He can make some guys miss at times, but he's not a running back. He's an athlete playing running back. He doesn't have a good approach to the line of scrimmage. He doesn't understand anticipating holes. He doesn't always move to make guys miss or take on half of a defender as much as he should. Um, he wastes steps. Uh, and those are all things that cost you more in the NFL than in college. And in college, it did. I know people will go up and down about the offensive line at Florida State. But let me ask you guys this. What was the thing people were defending about David Montgomery at Iowa State? I, I have no idea. Dennis, like, you're the big offensive, yeah. offensive line. Yeah. Offensive line, gotcha. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, he would have been better, but his offensive line. He yeah. didn't do good against Drake. I mean, <laughs> Drake's an, an, an FCS school. And, well, he's a terrible um, rapper too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just think Acres is overhyped because of what people thought he was going to be, and he's going to a bad situation. They, they don't have a good offensive line, and Henderson's there. And I just think you know, always the new thing's always going to be better. I just think it's going to be a messy committee for a guy that's raw. If he needed to go anywhere, he needed to go to like the Colts, a really good O line where he doesn't have to make a lot of decisions, and he can just kind of freelance his ath- athlete 
athletic way to a, a you know a solid career. But to me, he's kind of like Christine Michael. He'll try and overpower guys, try and out athlete people. But you need more than that. And you know, too bad people... the XFL folded. You're really <laughs> describing. You're really describing a quintessential XFL back. <laughs> All I can think is when you use the word solid, you know, that's what you like to hear when people are describing your table, the foundation of your house, yeah. not your fantasy team. Yeah. I think I had him. Um, I, he's like my 13th rated rookie asset right now. I mean, and that it, and doesn't mean I hate him, but I just think right. he's valued inappropriately right now. Well, people are taking him second or third pick yeah. off the board. Gives me other guys. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Well, I wish I would have known that you hated Nikhil Harry so much last year because I feel like I was one of the only people screaming on the top of the mountain that Nikhil Harry was overrated. And I was called a fool by many people. You weren't on with this last year, but many people last year. For, but a lot for of people, I think, really boosted him up because they thought going to the Patriots he was going to be the golden ticket. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, I, I'll, I'll send you a link. I have, I have some video clips, Matt. I'll send you some after. Oh, I can't wait. Because I'll retweet him at everybody who was coming at me last year about that stuff because I, I just wasn't sold on him. But, Dennis, you yeah. were about to say something. What, what you got? Uh, I don't think I was. Oh, okay. <laughs> My bad. Never mind then. <laughs> All right, so quarterbacks. As a matter of fact, uh, no, never mind. I'm thinking of uh, Easton Sick, not Jake and Jacob Easton. So we got Jalen Hurts, Jacob Easton, Jordan Love, who may have a whole bunch of value here now all of a sudden, and Jake Fromm, who were all drafted to currently be backups. Which of those do you think could be relevant within the next two two years, and then which do you think could be a top twelve fantasy quarterback if they were being able to, or if they were able to get a starting job? Man, that's such a loaded question. Um, relevant within two years? None. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, to me, relevance starting in fantasy. Yeah. I don't think any. Um, Jordan Love's pretty raw. Um, he. Didn't have a lot of guys coming back. It was a new offense last year at Utah State, but he made a, bad, a lot of bad throws. He, it's 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 like he makes his read and just throws it and pretends the defense isn't there. It's you can't do that, and that's why he just threw right at defenders and a lot of guys jumped him a lot. And that's not something that you want when you invest a first round pick in a guy. Now again, I've invested in him in some superflex leagues as a long term investment because I think it's a good value. But I just think people getting excited about him is going to be tough right now. Um, out of the rest of that group, Jalen Hurts, I don't get it. I I still don't. I mean, they're going to – I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, they're just going to try and Taysom Hill it, I think, is maybe what they're doing there. But but Jalen Hurts – God's gift to quarterback, Taysom Hill. Oh, yeah. yeah, big Taysom Hill fan right here. Yeah, he's – he's um, Hurts, I wanted to like him so much, and then the film just wasn't there. He After his first read isn't there, he, he has a tough – Tough job processing information. And when I talked about earlier with KJ Costello, processing information is the number one thing for a quarterback. It's everything. You know, blitz recognition, pre-snap or pre-snap and post-snap movement, like all of those things, you have to do that quickly and then make the good read. And Hertz struggled with that. If his first guy was open, he's fine. But then processing everything afterwards, it wasn't okay. And so I I, I struggle to see him doing well, even with the round two draft capital. Um out of that group, the rest of them, maybe Jacob Eason. You know, I know he's got a strong arm. I don't love the rest of his game, but Rivers is there one or two years. It's a good yeah. setup there with Taylor in that line, maybe after and Pittman. After that, maybe he can be the guy. Yeah, I don't get the Hurts love at all. I'm yeah. I I, I watch people. I, he's one of these guys. I, I'll have Fromm on a team before I have Hurts. 
See, I liked Fromm pre-draft, and then the NFL didn't agree with me, so I moved him down. Right. You know? Well, what did you like about Fromm? Because I was. I think he's – I don't even know who, who to compare him to. I don't hate Fromm. What I a loaded question. <laughs> I don't think he's a – he's very accurate. He's, I guess you could almost call him the game manager in that what I guess everybody kind of clarifies as those quarterbacks. Like he's, He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he can get the ball places. He, he's very smart. He seems to be a very capable quarterback. He just doesn't have the arm, in, in my opinion. I don't think that's going to end up allowing him to win games at the NFL level. Well, and I think you're you're kind of answering your question there. I, I think a lot of times people worry too much about the arm and yeah. not about the rest. Of, the rest of the stuff is more important than the arm, in my opinion. Now, you know, you have to have enough of an arm to complete it. But you look at Deshaun. Deshaun Watson doesn't have a crazy good arm. He's got everything else. You know, right. I think I think Fromm is like Andy Dalton. I think that he makes good reads. He goes from one to two really well. He knows where his checkdowns are. He can run an offense pretty well. Um, I don't think he's a superstar, but I think he could be a low-end NFL starter if he needed to be. So I was going to ask you on Jalen Hurts because I'm with Dennis as well. Uh, I'm not a big fan of him either. Uh, I was I was really interested to see what you said on him because a lot of people are comparing him to Taysom Hill, but I don't even I don't think he has Hill's explosiveness. So how were the Eagles going to use him? Because he, he's a okay runner, but I, I think he's more of a bruiser than he is. That Taysom Hill can make people miss Taysom Hill can catch mm-hmm. the ball. I don't think I don't, I've never seen Hertz catch the ball. I don't know if he's really as, I guess, an all in package like Taysom Hill is. So what can Hertz actually do for the Philadelphia Eagles? And I think Taysom Hill will be better on special teams than Hertz too. Yeah. But, but I think what it is, is, is you get a guy kind of like Edelman, right? Where Edelman sometimes out of nowhere will catch a bubble screen and then throw it because it was behind the line. You have yeah. just another element that defenses have to prepare for. And, and so many times we look at these picks and we think of, Hey, this guy, what he's going to be for fantasy football. NFL teams want a guy that can make a difference on their team, change their offense. That's why these fast guys like Henry Ruggs get drafted so high because it changes the offense. Not that they're going to get the most receptions out of every receiver in this rookie class. And so, you know, you have hurts on the field. Okay. Think of it. You're a defensive coordinator. Okay. You have two quarterbacks on the field. Oh boy, hold on. Okay, where's he? You know, you're thinking more than you're reacting and you're playing. That's exactly what you want on defenses. I'm going to leave Akers off of this question now that I know how you feel about him. Taylor's, Dobbins, <laughs> uh, Edwards, Hilaire, and Swift were, were the top RV, RBs in the draft this year. They're the guys that everybody's drafting. Obviously, Akers is up there, but I know he's not going to. Well, he might be in the back half of this question for you. Who do you think finishes as, as the RB1 of this class? Because, I mean, CEH, great landing spot. Uh, I think Swift landed in a in a good spot, at least for the workload. Taylor, I think, landed in the best spot, obviously. Dobbins, I love. I don't know if he's got that great year coming this year, but he definitely, I think, is going to be a huge fantasy asset moving forward. Who has a chance to be the best RB just this year, year one? Uh, year one? Um, yeah. I'm going to go Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because the Colts, it's a great landing spot. Don't get me wrong. you know. And I think we all love watching Quentin Nelson just – bury people right. that old line of that offense, but they drafted Pittman first. They had the opportunity to take Taylor there and they decided not to. And they had the risk of not getting Taylor on their team and then traded up and, and got him. And I think that's telling, you know, cause if, if you, if you absolutely love a guy, he's going to be the center of your offense. You're going to give him so many touches and so many carries. You would have drafted him first and, and had the risk of not getting Michael Pittman. And so for me, that's a little telling. And again, I like Taylor. He's my RB two, 
But I think drafting Hilaire in round one, like the Chiefs did, he's going to get so many goal line touches. He's going to get so many receptions there as a weapon. I think that he's going to be the top back this year. Yeah, I, I like Hilaire's opportunity this year. But the number of backs that they have there, and is, is Andy Reid, are we going to buy into the first round draft capital? You, you seem like you're a draft capital guy. So first round draft capital, no worries about Damian Williams or any of those other Jags there in uh, Kansas City. Well, I'm glad you didn't say Darwin Thompson because I was anti all of that last year. Um, He's a big DeAndre Washington stand. <laughs> I but here's the here's the other part of this, Dennis, is Clyde Edwards Hiller was in my tier one before the draft started. So he him, Swift and, and Taylor were all pretty much equal for me. And the draft capital was just another trump card. It's like, oh, okay, yep, then that makes sense. And and that's draft capital, that offense, and then that, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. Um yeah, I like Damian Williams. Um, you know, I, I liked him, I think, more than than most. Um, you know, invested in him a little bit. But I think, you know, he Edward Solaire is the best back on that team pretty easily. Um, and here's the other part too. Taylor might get more touches year one. But as we know in fantasy football, receptions mean way more than carries do. They count more for yards. You know, even if Taylor gets 250 carries, you know, look at look at Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had 1,400 rushing yards last year, right? Right. And there were backs that got ahead of them because they had receptions, way more receptions than he did. And Edward Slayer is going to get that. So hashtag two to three year window, which guy you want for three years? Um, I'm going to say Hilaire because I Rivers, I don't know what's going to happen with that quarterback spot, but I like Taylor the most. Those two are head and shoulders above the rest. Okay. Okay, so what do you think about Dobbins? Being a being a huge Buckeyes fan as I am, I'm, I feel a little slighted right now that Dobbins has not been mentioned at all. So what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, you're not going to like what I have to say about him. I, I think Dobbins well, is... Cut that's, you off the street, that's why I didn't, why I didn't ask. <laughs> all the goodwill you earned with your acres aid is about to go out the window. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think Dobbins is overrated. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. And I think people have him up there saying that he's great. You're going to look at, I mean, you know this, Matt. When you look at that offense last year, right? Dobbins make a, took a huge step forward last year. But previously, right, they had a, a good quarterback through more touchdowns than Fields did last year. I mean, they're, they're pretty much equal. I think it was like 15-49 or 15-42, yeah. something like that. The difference was the running aspect that Justin Fields added to that offense. And, and defenses and defensive ends had to hesitate or go with Fields and left huge rushing lanes. You, you watch that Clemson game. People are all hyped about it. There are humongous lanes for him to run yeah. through. And he doesn't finish with power. I think that his speed is overrated. But I think he's, a, you know, good. I mean, or above, I want to say above average to good in almost every category, maybe except power. But I don't think he's elite at anything. And when you look at some of these other backs, I think they have more trump cards than he does. And then the other part is this. They're like, okay, well, he's in this rushing offense, right, where you can read option everything. And now look at him with the best guy in the NFL, right? But when you look at the read option, what did they do in Baltimore? They had a lot of, like, midline or dives where they're going in A-gap. Dobbins isn't as good running between the guards as he is everywhere else. And that's Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, these, you know, big power guys. That's where they thrive. And 
you know, I, I just don't know that that's going to be a huge fantasy asset. I think it was a good pick. I mean, it makes sense. It, you know, Ingram's old and Gus Edwards. I mean, you know, it's fun, the Gus bus. But, and then the other part to that is receptions, right? I just talked about receptions matter a lot. Dobbins, I think, has good hands. But I think they, they didn't have a pass catcher. I, I don't know, I have the stats with me. I don't think they had a running back catch more than 25 receptions last year. No, certainly not over 30. And that's an issue. You yeah. want to look at all of the top backs, especially the elite ones. They got 60 plus and Chubb did it. And that's why Chubb was lower. And I don't know that Dobbins can get there. There's not going to be the passing volume from Lamar. That's a long-term thing. So th- those are all things I think that are against it. It's not that I hate Dobbins. I think he's a little overrated in terms of what people thought of him as a prospect. And then landing spot, I'm like, I don't know what there's going to be there long-term in terms of a ceiling. I think his floor is there. He's an RB two, I think. Gotcha. I mean, okay, I don't hate the take. I, I had a Ray Ray Garvin on with uh, me last year prior to the college football season, and we talked about Dobbins. That is, I brought up exactly what you said there. I don't think that he's great at anything. I think he's good at everything, and that's what makes him an interesting prospect for me. I didn't quite take in everything that you were just saying with the, with the Baltimore uh, landing spot there. I did feel like him going in there with Lamar, as you just mentioned, and kind of doing the same option stuff that Ohio State does with Lamar being – as much as I love Justin Fields, a better athlete. So I thought it would help him out there. So what you're saying, taking him at 1-1 in a 16-teamer uh, was a bad idea. So, uh, <laughs> so also to, uh, to to back up Nick's point, uh, Mark Ingram was the leading receiver among backs, 29 targets, 26 receptions. Gus Bus had seven receptions on 15 targets, and uh, Justice Hill had eight receptions on 15 targets. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. They have Justice Hill, too, who was supposed to be this thing. And then wasn't. I mean, he was a third-round pick. And we're, we're yeah. hyped with Dobbins, and he's a second-round pick. It's the same thing like with the Rams, you know? I mean, who knows how it's going to turn out? Yeah, I I, I, want, I wanted to believe in Hill. I actually acquired him early in the offseason. But uh, looking at what he does, I don't think he's better than Dobbins. No, I don't either. But I mean, he could be the pass catcher there, and that that kills the that's that's the Nick Chubb thing right now with Cream Hunt there just bugging him. Yeah, that's that's a crazy situation there. So let's ask you about the wide receivers. The same same question: Rager, Jefferson, Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs. Who, which one is going to be the uh, top wide rookie wide receiver this year? Uh this year, um, I think I got to go with. Oh man. Okay, got to think opportunity. There's only uh, one right answer, isn't there, Matt? <laughs> CD Lamb. Oh, I uh, thought you were going to say say uh, uh, your your boy Judy there in Denver. I think he'll at best he'll be third in line for targets. Yeah, well, they, I mean, when you got Melvin there, and you've got Noah Fant there. Don't and even Mar- mention Melvin Gordon is going to get booed every time he touches the field. Whoa, Broncos Twitter is I, I you know. I hope something happens to him in training game. Whoa, really? <laughs> let's have a, let's have a talk about this. What happened? I I can't do it without dropping some swear words. I do not want him. I think it was a complete waste of money. Garbage player. Garbage signing. Garbage player? Garbage player. Why? Who are we talking about? Melvin Gordon. Oh. Why is it? Why is it garbage? I, I understand your love for Philip Lindsay. He went to Colorado. He's doing well there. It's a good story, but I mean, Melvin's a better player. No, how dare you, sir? Actually, how dare I'm, you? No. 
How, how is he? How is he? Okay, and again, if, if you want to talk about efficiency numbers and all that kind of stuff, have, have you? I mean, his offensive lines have ranked in the bottom five. I think three. Oh, how many longs he been with the Chargers? All but one uh, year. It's been the bottom five. Yeah, he's yeah. been Chargers all year. I relished when he played Denver and we destroyed him every week. And I, I've been watching Broncos Twitter. There was so much hate that he is the, the, the he should be grateful that much like when he played for the Chargers, there won't be fans in the stadium because he wouldn't make it. Oh, wow. I, I don't, don't come in with Melvin Gordon. I No, that was a trash signing. Wow, I, I, I had to take my John Elway poster off my wall for a while. Wow, and you know what though? This is like the most sincere you've been. This is like this cuts. This is like this is like me talking about you know the Packers throwing a touchdown to Randall Cobb and it takes the Bears out of the playoffs. If you guys remember that play, like this is like those type of moments, man. Yeah, this no. is this is deep, man. Well, you know, I do not. Care from I won't own a single share. I've they they know I have Broncos everywhere. I think I have Cortland Sutton on like twenty four out of my twenty six dynasty teams. Nothing would make me take Melvin Gordon. I will actively <laughs> root for him to fail. Wow! No matter what it means for the team, I will root for him to fail. <laughs> Is it just because of Lindsay? And because I always thought he was a trash player that I never wanted. On any of my teams, wow. especially his real life team. Yeah, that. You well, know, I, however, I, I, you felt about David Montgomery getting drafted times that by a thousand. But I still want him to succeed. I just don't think he's good. Oh, well, that's the difference between you and me. We, <laughs> on this podcast, we have Scottish Parkinson's. We forget everything but our grudges. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man. Man, I wasn't expecting this. Okay, so I guess we'll move on from Judy, who I agree won't get a ton of targets year one. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Raker. Uh, I think the opportunity is there. Um, you know, I, I mean, you know, look at you know targets there. It's going to be Ertz, then maybe Miles Sanders, and then you know maybe him. I mean, it, it's a sad story with Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, they just can't stay healthy. And you know, JJ Arthega Whiteside, I was never a big fan, and as we talked about earlier. The, the big receiver club there, Dennis, sorry. It's it's not something that gets him on the field. I don't think he's that talented either. So I think Rager could jump out, especially with a good a good offense and a good quarterback in Wentz. Yeah, I'm not an Ar- Artega Whiteside guy either. I do like uh, Alshon Jeffrey. I would like to see him have one last, one last showing, mm-hmm. if for no other reason than two or three shares. Do you yeah. see the Sean McCoy is uh, – <laughs> Is uh, campaigning to try to get re-signed by the Eagles. Who is? LaShawn uh, McCoy. Shady. Oh. Yeah, Shady. Oh, shady. In the same interview where he said he didn't realize when he spoiled Endgame that so many people would get upset about a cartoon movie. Yeah, yeah that was that was a bad take by him. Uh, but I, I don't mind Lamb. I think that's something that people aren't you know thinking there. They 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 like Gallup. He's a good player. Um, Cooper. Good player. I think Lamb's the most talented, honestly. I don't know if that's going to happen year one, but and they don't have a tight end threat. Sorry, Blake Jarwin people. I mean, that's – Lamb's going to get his target. You mentioned Randall Cobb giving you Packers nightmares. I, You know, last year in that 
kind of role as the third receiver for the Cowboys. He got 82 targets, 55 receptions, 828 yards, and three TDs. Mm-hmm. And I think we would all say that we think Lamb's a touch better. Right. Just a touch. Just a touch. Not much better. Just, <laughs> just a touch. Yeah. yeah so, uh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. My question then, is too. So you go right ahead. Yeah, and and then I think you know because I think you guys asked me earlier the, the who I think is going to be the the worst out of that group or or finish at at the end. Yeah, I, I think it's rugs. It's pretty easy. I think it's rugs. I think rugs is my wide receiver ten or eleven in fantasy. Like I, I I'm not a believer, and that's based on film. And then and then landing spot. It's I mean I think Brian Edwards is going to be the top rookie receiver out of that group. That's what we've been saying. This me and this guy, right? There we go. Yeah, I got it right that time. Me and that guy. We're big Brian Edwards guys. I, I, I'm curious to ask you because obviously you, with the coaching aspect and everything, so you probably see it from the NFL side as well. Do you think Ruggs is a good fit for them NFL-wise, though? I mean, John Gruden has come out and said that he wanted that, that Tyreek Hill-ish like player on his team. So he does bring that dynamic to that team. I think everybody fantasy-wise jumped on it because of how early he got drafted, but that doesn't necessarily NFL-wise translate to fantasy, right? Like the saying we have in the fantasy community, it's a good NFL move, but it's not good for fantasy. Do you, could you see it working out for them NFL-wise? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's just a dynamic. I mean, we saw it with Will Fuller, right? And they have the stats to back that up. Where Will Fuller on the field playing gives them another touchdown per game advantage versus him not on the field. Well, that that matters, they don't care about the NFL draft. They don't care about fantasy teams. They care about winning games and producing points. And when you have a guy that runs at 4-2 over here, that safety over the top has to respect that. And if he doesn't, right, then they get burned. And so I think that opens things underneath for Waller and for Edwards and Jacobs. And I just think it's a good fit for a team. And, and you just can't find 4-2 guys, I mean, 4-3 guys that have even decent skills hardly anywhere. And that's why they go high. John Ross and Will Fuller and all these guys. I mean, Tavon Austin, that's why Tavon Austin got picked so early. He was going to be this guy that's just going to annoy defenses. It didn't work out, but we see what Tyreek Hill does to a defense. That's exactly what, if they, if you get a chance that it's Tyreek Hill, you take the guy. Yeah. Another prime example of a giant Rams contract that made no sense. <laughs> Which one? Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin. Oh, right. That's sad. Wasn't it for a while he was like one of the highest paid receivers in football? Well, yeah. I think it's because he was top, what, seventh pick. I think. Yeah, those first yeah. round picks they get a they get a lot of life, a lot of life. I just want to jump back on the Lindsay thing really quick. Uh, it's only because of my love for Philip Lindsay. I don't hate Melvin Gordon quite as much as Matt does. I just uh, Philip Lindsay is Dennis. Nobody hates Melvin Gordon quite as much as yeah, Matt. That's does. True. <laughs> the two knives in my heart were Melvin Gordon coming from the Chargers to my team and seeing Chris Harris Jr. go the other way. I was like, yeah, I, I, oh, I can understand. But uh, but Philip Lindsay was like one of my first ever like fantasy calls. I I had done a lot of watching him and everything, and I said I thought he was going to be actually a good running back in the NFL and be able to do something. So that, that's where my love for him comes from. He's one of those guys that's actually react interacted with me a little bit on Twitter, so I, I actively root for him. Mm-hmm. So that's why I hated the Melvin Gordon signing. Uh, the stupid question I wanted to ask you, Amari Cooper, how good or really how bad is Amari Cooper at uh, at for fantasy? He's a good yeah. NFL wide receiver, fantasy-wise. I, I just don't trust him. You know, I, I think I had, right. I had one share of him, and I dealt it. Right. Well, let me tell you how, how much I stole this one. This is um, uh, an industry league. I mean, it was expensive league. I mean, I, I won't say the entry fee, but it was, you know, multiple. Okay. There, there's couples of zeros, you know. Anyway, um, and um, 
I had the uh, Cooper. I dealt Cooper. This is pre-draft. Cooper, Darrell Henderson, who had more hype then, and the 108, which was Debbie. So we had a Debbie draft after the start of draft. And I got back Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor. And I'm so pumped after the draft how that worked out. But that's because I don't trust Cooper. And, and I think part of fantasy is you need to be on the field. He's not on the field all the time. I think he runs some really good routes and people love that stuff, but it's not consistent. It's not consistent when he goes up against, I think, some physical corners um, or some top competition. And I mean, we, we would see that he would have these huge games, but he'd be against like Philly and they had like trash corners, you know, and, um, and that's just not something that I want on my teams. And that's why also I don't want to have Dalvin Cook on my teams. I don't trust that he's going to be healthy. He's missed multiple games every year he's been in the NFL. He's had four shoulder issues that I know in his, his football career. I, you know, yep, it worked out for some last year, but I, I don't think it's going to be this, you know, great parade and a first round pick in, you know, redraft this year. He's the guy I'm avoiding. Sounds like you, uh, Subscribe to Bob Lung's consist- consistency theory there. I, I I follow Bob, but I've never gotten that guide before. Is it good? Yeah, it's it's good. It, it's uh, he's actually going to be on with us next Thursday. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I've interacted with him a little bit. I like him. Yeah. So I had one share of Lynn's, uh, Cooper, and I traded it. Uh, gosh, what's it been? Uh, in November. 16 team start nine IDP, so very deep, two tight ends, super flex. I traded Amari Cooper, Philip Lindsay, and Mohamed Sanu. And I got back Devin Singletary, Justice Hill, Michael Gallup, a 21st and a 2021 first. Who'd you get with that first? Who did I get? Uh Keyshawn Vaughn. It was a 113. Yeah, I think you're fine. Cause I mean, you think of Gallup, Gallup's a, you know, a tier down, but then you get Vaughn, who I'm a big fan of uh, from film prior to his landing spot. So, yeah. yeah, you'll you'll hate that I traded. I did trade up uh, to 109 uh, and take Cam Akers. <laughs> Dennis, I thought I thought we were close, man. So actually, even better in that same league as I'm. I had the 201. I'm getting ready to pick. And the guy messages me and says, hey, I'll trade you Le'Veon Bell and K.J. Wright for the 201. Now, I know Bell doesn't have a ton of time left, mm-hmm. uh, but I could really use the depth. He ended up taking – I took the deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Gave him the 201 and 506, and he took Henry Ruggs. Oh, that's a win. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that we had somebody else on here that agrees with me that Amari Cooper is just not that good, and that, that's all I wanted. That was that was what I was hoping you were going to say. I wasn't 100% sure. I was probably going to have to go cry again had you agreed that Amari Cooper was good because it's a constant battle I have on this podcast. Uh, I've got two guys here and others that jump on here all the time and just praise Amari Cooper because he's God's gift to football and fantasy football apparently, and I just disagree with it. So I, mean, I, I, I don't think he's – I don't think he's – Elite, I don't think he's bad, but he's just this area oh, I, that I agree with you. I, I say he's good, he's not great, he's not elite, he's not even. I don't even, I think he's the third best wide receiver on the Cowboys. I take Lamb and Gallup over him, but I get hated on all the time for saying that he's like a top 18, 15 to 18 wide receiver. And I'm, yeah. I'm a bad for saying I think that's about right. So give us, uh, give us your hot takes here. Who do you think? Uh, I know you mentioned one of them earlier, a wide receiver that you think has a chance to jump up into the elite category this year and, and a running back as well before we get out of here. Oh, guys, to jump up. Um, hmm. 
That's tough. Uh, let me think about this. I'm, I'm kind of anti this Miles Sanders is the superstar. I know that's not exactly what you're asking me for, but I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Um, I just, he's not consistent. He's, he's a player that tries to play like Saquon Barkley and, I, and he's not Saquon Barkley. And I know he had a good end of the run season, but that's based on some receptions. So that's kind of anti that I'm just thinking of running backs right now. Um, I mean, you want to take about some some hot take, you know, running backs that are going to finish high. I, th- I think Hilaire is going to be an RB1. I think Taylor's going to be high in RB2. I mean, and that's that's risk saying that, but I think that's going to happen for sure. Um, well, I mean, they were projecting pre-draft that Damian Williams could finish RB11. So if right. you think he seeds quite a bit of that work to mm-hmm. Edward Hilaire, it's not a huge leap. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing too is I mean even when when Williams got healthy at the end of the year and what he did those previous seven games the year before it was RB one numbers that, that's what it was and you know he just got hurt and then Shady came in and people thought all Shady because they hated Damian Williams which again that's biased and that's kind of the Phil Balenci hate it's draft capital right if you're UDFA people don't like you and it's you know Aaron Foster had to battle that for years. They're, don't you guys remember that Foster broke out and they're like, yeah, but Ben Tate, Ben Tate's bad. Yeah. What are you watching, man? Have you watched Arian Foster play? Um, in terms of a receiver, I like Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. I okay. think people are, are missing that because they hate Josh Allen because apparently he stole everybody's girlfriend or something. Like, it's ridiculous. He's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. <laughs> but, I mean, they just want to hate him so bad and have him not succeed that they don't see that his the end of his rookie year, he made Robert Foster and Zay Jones wide receiver twos, I think, or, or maybe they were top 26 receivers for like a six-week stretch. Robert Foster and Zay Jones, okay? I think that Stefan Diggs is a little bit better. And, and even last year, you know, you know, look at what John Cole Brown Beasley. and Cole Beasley did there. Um, and Allen is improving there. And Diggs is the best receiver he's ever going to see. Um, I think Josh Allen's underrated. I mean, he's, he's like court, quarterback seven, I think, or eight last year. And, and again, that's not with Stephon Diggs. And now he has year two with Brown and with Beasley. So I think he's going to be better. But I think Diggs, I mean, Diggs is phenomenal. He might be a little bit of a diva. But he did what he did last year on 96 targets or something like that. Um, and I know people We've are going to talk about clutch there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That now that that play, play in the playoffs is pretty amazing. But and he's got he's got that chip on his shoulder too. And I love that 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 dog. And he wants to fight and he's going to do whatever he can to win. Um, so I think I think he could be a, a guy that we're underrating. And, and and by that, I think he's probably a high end wide receiver too. Okay. And you, you messed up there, Matt. Captain Clutch is, is Kirk Cousins, but I'll, I'll forgive you on that. Uh, there's right. one you more... said, what did he do last year on 96 targets? Uh, and I said, with <laughs> Captain Clutch. I know your love for Cortland Sutton, so I'll leave him out of this last question here. There's three wide receivers who are young, up-and-coming guys who all finished right around the top 24 wide receivers last year. So who do you think has a chance to make that jump? Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and who is the other one I had on here? I just missed it. Son of a I don't, oh, DJ Chark. DJ Chark. No, I'll leave Sutton now. Sutton finished with them, but obviously Nick loves Sutton, so I imagine he would pick Sutton, so I want him to pick a different guy out of those three. So DJ Chark, AJ Brown, and Terry McLaurin. Who has a chance to take that step up even more? They finished uh, – Chark finished the highest with 16. 
Brown 24, McLaurin 25. So who has a chance to jump maybe into that top 15 or right around 12 if possible? Yeah, everyone loves A.J. Brown. And, and A.J. Brown was my top Debbie player two years ago. So I'm with you. I, I have him on so many teams. I'm a big fan. He's overrated right now. That that efficiency, is it cannot continue. Just like with – and again, if it does continue, he has to get so much more volume to uh, you know to get the the regression to the mean um cuz it, it just can't be there even though he's a good player. I think DJ Sharks underrated right now. I think that people forget he got hurt. Before he got hurt, he was like wide receiver like 8. <laughs> like and he has his quarterback Gardner Minshew who was you know getting him the rock there. Um I just think people are forgetting about him. I think that he's a guy that's underrated and can do it even though I I like McLaurin too. Um I did just trade him though. What did, I just traded him in the 107 for the 103 and Will Fuller just because I needed a, a top back. But um, I, I like all of those guys. But if I had to gamble with one who I think has the best value jump, which I think that's our game, right? It's a stock market game. I think right. you can get Shark the cheapest, and I think he, he can get you the most gain on the jump in their stats this year. All right. I like it. Well, Nick, thank you so much for jumping on with us and, and spending all this time talking rookies and Debbies. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter and plug your your championship bundle, the graduate, uh, the uh, the Debbie report, your your dynasty startup stuff? Let everybody know where they can go find all that. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. This has been a lot of fun, even with the Melvin Gordon talk. <laughs> um, so I'm at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. I'd like to think I interact with people as much as I can um, on there. Uh, I'll always talk some ball. Um, in terms of, you know, dynasty nerds, every Wednesday, we got that going on. Um, and if you look at my profile on Twitter, that's where you can find some of my, my work. I'm also at four for four too. Uh, I just don't have a lot of articles coming out of there. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, this championship bundle. So yeah, if you look at my, it's, I think I have it, uh, what do you call it? Tagged or whatever within my, my profile on Twitter. So it'll be the top one that comes up, but, um, yeah, so the, the graduates is already out, so people can get that right now. That's 118 pages just on this class, 62 player profiles. Um, and then this month, I'll be releasing out the Dynasty Startup. That'll be in there, too. And then after all that's done, now I can get into all the Debbies, who I've been getting into some of that, too, just because I love it. And that I'll, hopefully I'm going to release this summer. So, and, and if you're wondering why it takes so much time, I'm one man with a full-time job, okay? And I'm, I'm trying to do other things instead of stare at my computer for you know, 2000 hours straight. So that's why it takes a little bit of time to do all that. Look, Nick, we're all busy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, Nick, we really appreciate you jumping on and and spending time with us guys. Go, go get the championship bundle. It's well worth your time and money. It's going to help you guys out a lot, not just in, in your rookie drafts, if you haven't done them yet, but as Matt here, join new Debbie leagues when that Debbie report comes out and, and all the dynasty startup stuff, as he mentioned, the the strategies and everything that go into it. If, if you're new to the dynasty game, it could really help you guys out. So Nick, again, thank you so much for jumping on with us and everybody else. We will talk to you guys on Monday. Right on. Prepare for glory.